as has already been mentioned, happy Mother's Day to those of you who are mothers and mother figures. Uh, we, we bless you. Just, um, thank you for what you do. Um, reminder that Mother's Day means baby bottles. Probably not for many of you, but for, in the normal sense, the, the Pregnancy Care Center, as you know, distributes these every Mother's Day. We fill them up with change or with a check, because who uses cash anymore, right? So we fill them up with something, and we return them back here on Father's Day. The Pregnancy Care Center then gets a boost and a blessing, and, and then there's a ripple effect here in our city uh, among those who really need the help of the Pregnancy Care Center. So please do continue. Um, consider giving to this again this year. Um, those are at the back. This is a new friend of mine here on the screen. Um, I met him fairly recently. His, his name was actually passed on to me by uh, Jim Hall. I don't know if you remember him. He spoke here at the church a couple of years ago. Um, so this, this man's name is Roger Helland. Um, Roger is uh, an author. He's written, I think, six books. He, he's taught at a number of different schools um, here in Alberta and beyond, uh, including our seminary, Taylor Seminary. Um, he's taught courses there before. Um, he's currently working for the Evangelical Fellowship of Canada um, as their prayer ambassador. He's got a huge, huge heart for prayer. Uh, and this guy just loves Jesus. It's been pretty awesome getting to know him just a little bit. Um, I'm going to play a video because rather, Roger just introduced a book um, or just released a book, and I want you to hear him talk about it because he, he brings together a number of things that we've been talking about here recently. Roger's name was passed on to me, um, as I said, by Jim Hall. Roger used to be the, the regional minister for the Baptists in, um, so we, we are the North American Baptists, but the Baptist General Conference is sort of like our sister denomination um, here in Alberta. And so he was their regional minister. And so they actually share an office with our, with our denomination up in Edmonton. So he knows Terry Fawson quite well. Um, and anyway, he... What he brings together is a, just an interesting mix of the things that we have seen here, where he, you'll t hear him talk about the supernatural power of God being worked in, in signs and wonders and miracles, and he'll talk about we need to be into the Word and into Scripture and prayer, and this is about holiness, all so that we can host God's presence. He just brings together a, a number of different streams in a really cool way. And so Roger's actually coming to speak to us in two weeks' time. Uh, he's coming here. Uh, I just invited him. He lives in Airdrie. And I said, hey, do you want to come up? So he's going to come be our guest speaker in two weeks' time, and you can meet him personally, and he's going to share God's word with us and um, just enjoy our time with him. So make sure you come in a couple of weeks. Let's pray. Lord Roger just mentioned in that video that it is all about hosting your presence. He reminded us of Psalm 105, seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face continually. That verse reminds us that we don't have to choose between picking a relationship with you and picking your strength, picking your hands, picking what you can do for us, that we're to pursue both together. That's who you are, and that's what you invite us into. 
Lord, we are inviting you this morning to come and be among us. Make your presence known. We are seeking your face. We are seeking your strength. We are seeking that you would move among us. We're opening a passage where we see you move in presence and in strength. Lord, would you guide us and equip us not only to understand your word, but to live it? As we prayed earlier, that your ways might be known on the earth. That there would be more people who who come into closer proximity with Jesus because of what you do in us because of what you reproduce through your word and your spirit, because you are still alive and well and working. And we want to be a part of it. So Lord, would you equip us well this morning? Have your way. Breathe your life into us that we may carry it to others. In Jesus' name, amen. One of the reasons why I reached out to Roger is because he was a part of a a very major move of God, you guys might know about it, in Kelowna um, back in the early 90s. Huge, huge move of God. Um, and, and I reached out to him because I at some point said, I, I've seen God work in some ways I'm not used to, and I need some help. Because you see, when God started working here in some different ways that I wasn't used to, as I was seeing some people get healed or some people get set free or some new gifts being given, and I didn't know what to do. And I wasn't ready for for God to work in these ways. I thought I was. I was certainly asking for God to be at work. And the funny thing is that he was answering my prayer, but I didn't realize the full scope of the package that would arrive on my doorstep as I, I began praying. Um, I, I would pray, um, you know, Acts 4.30. If you look at Acts 4.30, the apostles themselves pray that the Lord would pour out signs and wonders and miracles. I started praying that. Lord, do that here. Do it here. Do it among us. You know, we, we read our passage last week. Go to John 9. Would you go to John 9 with me? In our passage, it, if you were here with us last week, Jesus says, as he is healing the man who has been born blind, he says, we must do these works. So I'm like, yeah, yeah, God, go. Sign me up. I want to do that too. Never seen it happen, but I believe you want to do that through us. Sign me up. So I'm praying. I'm praying, sign me up. I'm I'm praying the the words in, in Acts 4.30, stretch out your hand, Lord and do signs and wonders among us. I'm praying those things. I didn't realize I wasn't ready for the flip side of what comes as God begins to increase his presence and his power and his gifts among his people. Because you're also asking for division. I thought it was just going to be, boom, revival. It's going to be awesome. More people are going to come to Jesus. We're going to have sinners repenting. We're going to see signs and wonders and miracles that everyone's going to celebrate and go, yes, we're all on the same page and we all want this, right? No, (laughs) apparently not. And, you know, shame on me because I've been reading this book and it's not it, 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 my, my, my vision of that program 
is not the way it rolls out when Jesus steps in. Sadly. Uh, I heard Randy Clark once make a joke. Um, someone had said to him, if this is really God, what's happening among you, uh, there wouldn't be division. And his response was, that's a very odd argument for a Protestant. Protestant? Protest? Do you know anything about church history? We have divided and divided and divided. And you know what? I, I still... I heard that and I laughed about it and I filed it away, but I really only applied that funny comment, that insightful yet funny comment, I, I really only applied that to debates of theology. But as God moves and reveals himself, there's division that happens as well, and it's not just over theology. It's about, there, there's something that gets evoked in us. And it, it's scary. And it's, so it's the, the second part of John 9, and it takes up more than the focus on the miracle, which we covered last week. And, and I have to preach the whole chapter. I can't just go from those first few fun verses to, I am the good shepherd in John 10. I would like to, because I prefer to give good news. But i got to give God's news. Okay, so we are going to work through the remainder of John 9 today, uh, and we're going to see how God moves and people react in all sorts of ways. And we need to learn from those things. To be prepared for the next time that we see God in his presence and power among us because I'm not going to stop asking for those things. That's in the book. I, I am commanded to pursue those things. Jesus says we must work the works of him who has sent me. Right at the beginning of John 9. We must, not I, Jesus. We. You will continue this, my friends. So I need to continue praying that. But as I continue praying it and as we do together, we need to be prepared that there won't always be the reaction that we had hoped for, that I naively assumed would come. Right? Let's read John 9 together. I'm going to read the whole chapter. So beginning at verse 1. As he walked along, Jesus, as he walked along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but so that God's works might be revealed in him, we must work the works, we must work the works of him who sent me while it is day, because night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And when he had said this, he spat on the ground and made mud with the saliva and spread it on the man's eyes, saying to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. Then he went and washed and came back able to see. And there was a giant revival. Not. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar began to ask, is this the man who used to sit and beg? And some were saying, it's him. And others were saying, no, but it's someone like him. And he kept saying, I'm he, I'm the one. <laughs> 
They, they kept asking him, then, how were your eyes opened? And he answered, the man who, who was called Jesus made mud and spread it on my eyes and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. And I went and washed and received my sight. And they said to him, well, where is he? He said, I do not know. Then they brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made mud and opened his eyes. Then the Pharisees also began to ask him how he had received his sight. And he said to them, he put mud on my eyes. Then I washed. Now I see. And some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not observe the Sabbath. Others said, well, how can a man who's a sinner perform such signs? And they were divided. So they said again to the blind man, what, what do you say about him? It was your eyes he opened. And he responded, he's a prophet. Well, the Jews did not believe him that he had been blind. But when, when John says the Jews, he's generally talking about the leadership of the Jews because everyone in this passage is Jewish. But so... But John has a way of gesturing towards the general religious and political leadership as the Jews. All right, I'm not going to get into that anymore, but that's just FYI here. They did not believe that he had been blind and had received sight until they called the man's parents. And he asked them, and they asked them, Is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? And his parents answered, we know that this is our son and that he was born blind, but we do not know how it is that he now sees, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him. He's of age. He'll speak for himself. This is a key verse, and we are going to park on it. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews. For the Jews had already agreed that anyone who confessed Jesus to be the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, he is of age. Ask him. So for the second time, they called the man who had been blind, and they said to him, Give glory to God. We know this man is a sinner. And he answered, I do not know whether he is a sinner. One thing I know, that though I was blind, now I see. They said to him, Well, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? And he answered them, I've already told you, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? Well, then they mocked him and insulted him, saying, you're his disciple, but we're disciples of Moses. We know that God's spoken through Moses, but as for this man, we don't even know where he's from. Well, the man answered, this is an astonishing thing. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but he does listen to one who worships him and obeys his will. Never since the world began has any." Excuse me, never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a person born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. And they answered him, you were born entirely in sins, contrary to what Jesus said at the very beginning, right? You were born entirely in sins, and you're trying to teach us, and they drove him out. When Jesus heard that they'd driven him out, and he found him, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, and who is he, sir? Tell me, so that I may believe in him. Jesus said to him, you have seen him, and the one speaking with you is he. He said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. Jesus said, I came into this world for judgment, so that those who do not see may see, and those who do see may become blind. 
Some of the Pharisees who were with him heard this and said, Surely we are not blind, are we? And Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would not have sin. But now that you say, We see, your sin remains. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you go back to verse 22? We're going to park there. It grieves me that Jesus performs this astonishing thing, this act of compassion. It's just incredible to see, right? And no one celebrates. Isn't that sad? God works, and the people who follow him most closely don't celebrate. I find that so grievous. And there's a reason why. There are at least two different fears showing up in this passage. One is named, one is demonstrated. So I'm going to start with the one that is demonstrated. The Pharisees are afraid. They are not described as being fearful, but they are exerting control. And control is very, very, very often an expression of an unnamed fear. When we get uncomfortable, we seek to control something that is making us uncomfortable. Right? So the Pharisees have already decided that we don't like this Jesus guy, and anyone who says they are going to follow him is going to be kicked out of the synagogue. That doesn't, it's not the same thing as if we said, you can no longer worship with us at Unity. It would be more like saying, Central Alberta no longer has a place for you, go elsewhere. It, because it has that many social repercussions. It, it, it's not a matter of changing churches. It's a matter of, they might not be able to buy food or sell what they, they make, that kind of thing. Because that's how integrated the the synagogue was within the the society as a whole. So that's the level of control that the religious leaders have decided to exert over people who are claiming to follow Jesus. And it's an expression of fear. It's fear of the unknown. Fear of something new. Fear of something that is breaking their boxes and they won't deal with it except by trying to control it and ultimately get rid of it. Reflect on your life for a moment. I'm I'm just going to pause. Where do you exert control when it's actually an expression of a fear? Parents have a fear as well. His parents refuse to weigh in on what happened with their son. The most that they are willing to do is to say, we know that's our kid. And then after that, he is on his own. 
the parents fear the consequences of, of lining up in any way with Jesus. It's a fear of rejection. If I go with Jesus, it's going to have this ripple effect in my entire circle. I might have to leave the region itself. I will be an, I will be an outcast. It's a fear of what will happen. A fear of rejection. But it doesn't come out that way to them. And that's what I want to, one of the things that I want to point out. How does this fear manifest in their lives? The fear manifests in their lives simply by them saying, we know that's a kid, but we don't know anything more. And they're not willing to follow what even their own son is saying about what happened to him and the implications of that. God moves, and they're not willing to step into it because of a fear. But it shows up as, well, I don't know what all that's about. We don't know. He, he can see, but we're, we don't know anymore, and we're not going to find out. And it costs them both probably a relationship with their son because their son is about to get put out of the synagogue, which means he's now going to have to leave the region. They choose, they choose their fear over their son, and they choose their fear over God and what God is doing among them. Do you see the, the ripple effect of fear in people's lives. And it started by God doing a good thing. He shows up in power. And it becomes issues of we are afraid of the unknown and we will try to control. And it shows up as we might get rejected. We, not, we might not be part of the in crowd. We might become outcasts. So we, we'll just say, we don't know, and we're not going any further with this. And they miss God. It's a scary, scary thing. And, and part of sharing this message is to say, this is for us to hear, not only for us to deal with any fears as we say, God is moving, but I'm not sure about it and I won't step forward into it. Those, those fears do need to be dealt with. But it's also to say, as we continue to ask God to continue work, there will be more examples like this happening. Because when God moves, it does divide. Are you going to go with him and what he is doing? Are we going to sit back and say, we don't know? I love the courage of this man. 
I love the fact that he embraces what God does for him. And he's willing to take on the people who have all the knowledge and all the power and say, and actually start a debate with them. Well, hold on, guys. You guys are saying that that this guy can't be from God, but we know God doesn't listen to sinners, and I can see, and and you know what? He, he starts to engage with them. I, I, I find that inspiring. I, I, I find that incredible that, that this person embraces what God does and it no longer matters what other people think. Share your stories. As God speaks to you, as God touches you, as you hear from God, as you see God at work, share the story. Go with God. And, and engage with people. Because the Pharisees weren't all on the same page. The Pharisees themselves were having a debate. If you read carefully, you will notice that, that the Pharisees, although they had already decided um, that anyone who followed Jesus would get put out of the synagogue, they were now having a current debate among, well, this guy can't be from God because he, he broke the Sabbath. But the, the other group of the Pharisees are going, well, but God doesn't listen to sinners, and look what just happens. They're, they're going back and forth. Share your stories because you will give people opportunity to decide. You will, you will give people an opportunity to see God at work and decide for themselves because that's, that is what God does as he shows up. That's what God does as he moves, as he pours out his power, as he does the things that he already said that he would do. Share your stories. Would you look at verse 39? Jesus said, I came into this world for judgment so that those who do not see may see and those who do see may become blind. He's not talking about final judgment here. He's talking about giving people an opportunity as he he demonstrates God's power. What it does is it reveals things about our hearts. It reveals fears. It reveals loyalty. That the man born blind, it revealed a, a willingness to be loyal to this one. I mean, as Jesus comes to him afterwards and says, do you believe? He's like, whatever you say, dude, I'm following you. He believes. It it reveals something. But then the Pharisees have a different revelation. It it reveals something wrong within them. And it gives them an opportunity to decide for themselves. But that's what it means by judgment. That there's a revelation that there are two different opportunities for someone, and it shows what camp you're actually in. As we continue to ask for God to work, that will continue to happen. And what we need to do is take whatever is revealed and say, Lord, what do you want me to do next? Lord, what do you want me to do next? So would you close your eyes with me? We're going to take a moment with the Lord.
I'd like you to ask the Lord, Lord, is there a fear that's coming between us? And if so, what is it? Now I want you to ask the Lord, Lord, what is the truth? And lastly, I want you to ask him, Lord, how do I step towards you? He has identified something for you. Make sure you follow up. Take your next steps. Invite someone else into that process. If there are things that you feel like you need to work through, we actually have healing prayer teams that, that work with people through exactly those things. As God identifies fears, um, he, he leads people into freedom. And so if you want some, some help, just praying through that together with someone else, um, we can make that happen. Acts 4.30. Remember that verse that I mentioned at the beginning? The apostles pray, stretch out your hand, Lord, to heal. For signs and wonders are performed in the name of your holy servant, Jesus. The apostles pray that God would continue to do these kinds of things. You know what this, this is in the context of? I quoted it out of context to you on purpose. It is in the context of Peter and John, that the story begins by Peter and John going to worship at the temple. And as they go towards the temple, they see a man who is unable to walk. And he asks them for money, and they say, we have something better, stand up and walk in the name of Jesus. And the guy gets up and walks. And the next thing that happens is that Peter and John get dragged to the authorities. Right? God works, and there's division. 
they get put in jail, they eventually get released. And when they get released, they go back to the other apostles and followers of Jesus and they pray this prayer. They pray, Lord, give us boldness. If you look at verse 29, give us boldness to share your good news with everyone else. And as we share your good news, make sure you back it up with people that can see that couldn't see before. Make sure you back it up with people who can walk, who couldn't walk before. Make sure you demonstrate your power along with your good news. They are asking for God to do more of what will cause division. Because division is an unfortunate part of the package of asking God to work in greater measure. If we want God to work in greater measure in our lives, it will reveal fears. It will reveal places where we want to control things. It will reveal that we thought we were certain about something and now we're not certain and it makes me incredibly uncomfortable and I don't know what to do. And then the response is, am I going to step forward towards God into what he's doing or am I going to hold back, look for all the answers I can and try to continue to control things? It's going to reveal to us that we might get rejected among your friends and among the people that we rub shoulders with, if we begin to say we actually believe God will heal. Because it puts us in a different camp. Are you willing to go where God wants to go? Even when you haven't seen it yet. Because we we only got a few hints. But every hint was an invitation. Will we take that invitation? and take him at his word here. We should expect that there will be healing. We should pray for it. Because remember, Jesus says in this passage, we must, we must work the works of him who sent me. We must, therefore, do that, knowing that there will be social consequences. This is part of the cross that God invites us to carry as we follow Jesus. But it also equips you to understand some of the things that have happened here in the last year or two. And for what's coming next? Because God is not done. So let us continue to ask him and seek him for all that he wants to do. Lord, bless me and bless us that your ways might be known on the earth. It's not about a fun show. It's pour out your signs and wonders. Give us all boldness to speak your good news with great courage so that other people get great news. Give the best possible news. Let's share it and let's be prepared as there are a variety of responses to good news. People get healed. Jesus says, I came that those who do not see would see. He's speaking at two different levels, right? It's a pun. He just opened someone's eyes. But, But he's also looking to open spiritual eyes as well, right? And that's why he then shifts the metaphor and applies it to the Pharisees. They say, we see, don't we? Don't we? No. He says, you actually don't. He is coming for both. I don't have to pick between a gospel that is just words 
or something that is a demonstration of power. They go together. Let's expect this. Let's ask for it. And we will live with whatever it is that God does. Let's pray. Lord, I just want to be more like Jesus. Lord, would you, would you make us a people and a church that are more like Jesus so that people are healed and meet Jesus? So that the world sees and some say, I want that, I need that. Tell me about your Jesus again. Lord, would you do whatever you have to do in us as you identify fears in places where we have, we have wanted to control or we have actually been afraid that people will reject us or we're just not sure. Would you, you identify those places in us and then take us forward into greater wholeness and life with you? Because we want to see your goodness show up in people's lives in greater measure, that neighborhoods would be healed, that cities would be healed. Lord, do great things among us. Stretch out your hand to perform, just like you have done in your word. You have not changed. So Lord, as you do your work of refining in us now, would you make us people who will step into everything that you call us to? All for the sake of your great name, Jesus. We love you. We continue to worship you. Amen. That's the God we worship. And the Lord bless you and keep you. And the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord turn his face toward you peace and give you healing and give you more of himself in Jesus name as I was listening here I, I think I heard the Lord say there's someone with a kneecap that he'd like to have prayed over and someone possibly something about a knee replacement I'm not sure if those are the same or different but if that doesn't apply to any of you but you still want prayer always happy to pray for people go in peace my friends have a great week Thank you.